those of you, most of you may know that we've been going through a series, a sermon, a summer sermon series that we are calling Redeeming the Routine. So often the everyday life can feel just too everyday. And uh, we, we are, most of our lives are really lived in that mundane. And what's so beautiful about the scriptures is that so often the mundane activities of life, waking up, putting clothes on, bathing, eating, that these simple daily routines are used as metaphors to communicate the great truths of Scripture. In fact, one of the things that the Old Testament does often is it, 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 it put into uh, the daily lives of God's people various routines or rituals that communicated something far beyond their immediate meaning. That is to say, simple matters of clothing or of cleansing were given a meaning that, that gives a, a big picture understanding of life so that the routine becomes ritual, that the mundane suddenly has meaning. And that's what we're doing. And we're simply just walking through a single day this, uh, this summer, walking through a single day and talking about the things that we do in the hope of infusing those mundane things with the meaning of the gospel, with the meaning of scripture. And already we've seen the notion of waking up, this idea of waking up in the morning. In, 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 uh, in our very passage that Pam read from this morning, we, we saw this notion that, that, that Paul calls us to love. He says, continue loving. He says, no, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. He says, don't give up loving. Keep on loving. And then he gives us the reason. And he uses this beautiful analogy of, 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 of the darkness giving way to the light, saying, look, it's the time has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And he uses a beautiful, simple metaphor of darkness giving way to light to say, don't you see that's where the world is going? Yes, the world is dark, but it will give way to an eschatological dawn, a new and eternal day. So keep on loving because the light is coming. Oh, I would love for every morning, for everyone at Good Shepherd to wake up in the morning. And, oh, yeah, that's right. It's the morning. The sun is up. The, light has give, the, the darkness has given way to the light. And that brings to my mind that indeed the darkness, the spiritual darkness, is giving, will give way, has given way to the one who is the light of the world. Keep on loving because the light is coming. And then last week in our children's sermon, we talked about the idea of bathing. We talked about the idea of how so often we pretend that we don't need a bath, that we can't see our own filth, right? I can see other people when they're dirty. I can smell someone else's breath when it's bad, but I can't smell my own. It's so easy, you know, I can remember when I was so often working in a cubicle and I would be, I would be moving from cubicle to cubicle and in the Air Force you would change different departments at times and you would come to a new cubicle and you would look at it and it would be, oh, just filthy and dirty. And you're like, who worked here? Like, this is horrible, right? But then you'd be there for six months or a year, right? And, and what? It would get dirty too, but it was different, right? Because it was your own filth. Now, you were fine with that. Ah, oh, it's just a little messy over here. No problem, right? We get used to our own filth. And we looked at Luke 3 where Jesus, where John the Baptist comes and he summons 
all of God's people. These aren't outsiders. These aren't Gentiles. These are God's people who, who say, who say they're Christians, who have say they're sorry, but they don't show that they're sorry. And kids, you remember? Well, remember, remember with me. How did, how did John tell them to show that they were so- sorry? We'll talk about it actually again today. Is by sharing, to share. And so Jesus, that's what John the Baptist said. He said, everybody needs a bath. We all need a bath. None of us can pretend like we're clean. We all need a bath. And so every day when we go to shower, when we go to bathe, we're to stop and say, you know what? I'm in need of a bath. Not just not just physically, but I need to be cleansed deep and down. There are things that I've said and done that make me dirty, that, may, that defile me. And yet there is one who has cleansed me, who has washed me whiter than snow. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So again, we're taking the mundane and seeking to fill the mundane with meaning. And today we're talking about clothing talking about the idea of, of putting on clothes. I'm going to ask you a question. Why do, we, why do we wear clothes? What a silly question. Why do we wear clothes? Well, I can remember before we, I just, well, the first, well let, me, let me just before, back there, before I answer that question, I, I want to think those of you who are kids, I don't know if you, you have favorite clothing or favorite shirt, maybe favorite shoes. When I was a kid, I had favorite clothes. Sometimes my mom would come in in the morning and she would pick my clothes for the day and I, I'd Look at them and think, do I really have to wear this? Ah, uh, can I wear this again? She's like, no, that's dirty. Oh, no, it's not dirty. It's fine. I want to wear it again. I have clothes that I really liked and I always wanted to wear. In fact, there was one particular pair of, they, they were their pajamas. They were Superman pajamas. And I always wanted to wear, I don't care if it was nighttime or in bed, I always, what time, regardless of the time of day, I always wanted to wear their Superman pajamas. I love to wear them. And you know why? Because I felt powerful. I felt powerful. And I felt like I had a, a position in the world. I knew exactly what my role was, right? You know who Superman is. You know that he's the good guy. You know that he's supposed to save the world. And I thought, yeah, that makes that, that's what I want to do. I want to be Superman. And in a sense, that's, we'll see this what clothes do. And I, I also remember, this is as an adult, actually, I, this is just silly, but I have this recurring dream of mine. And it's that, I, that I'm out in public and I realize, what? that I have no clothes on. <laughs> and it's, it's suddenly you're just out doing whatever, and you look around and go, oh my goodness, I forgot my clothes. <laughs> and you, know, you start to try and navigate and figure out, has anyone noticed? And what, how was, what's going on? You look around. I don't know what that says about me. Maybe someone you can analyze my dreams or something like that. But that, that, that's a thing that we, we understand that we all need to wear clothes. And so I want to ask that silly question, why do we wear clothes? Well, as 21st century Americans, usually the reason we wear clothes is for impression. It's for presentation. We usually wear clothes to make an impression, to present ourselves in a certain way, whether it's to be hipster or goth or bohemian or grunge or country or tomboy, or sporty or hip-hop. We dress to impress, to, to sort of present ourselves in a certain way, to give a certain look. Now, in the ancient world, some people did the same, but not, not most people. Do you, know how, do you know who would dress to impress in the ancient world? Only the very, very rich. 
Only they had the money to buy clothes that would give a certain impression, that would give a certain look. In fact, in Matthew 11, Jesus was talking about John the Baptist, and we read this. It says, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Like, who is this guy? And Jesus gives several options. And one of them, he says, did you go out to see a man dressed in fine clothes? It's actually, literally, the Greek is actually a man dressed in soft clothes. In, you know, clothes that feel nice, clothes that are soft. No, those who wear fine clothes, says Jesus, are in king's palaces. So who's wearing the nice clothes? Who's wearing clothes for presentation? It's only the, the, the most elite, those with the most amount of money, the most amount of status. And most people didn't wear the soft clothes. And in fact, you didn't want soft clothes. You know why? They wanted strong, tough clothes. And why was that? Well, the second reason that people wear clothes, in fact, was for protection. That was the main reason in the ancient world, in Jesus' day, in Paul's day, why people wore clothes. It was one of the two reasons. It was going to be for protection. Last week, we talked about taking a bath, and we looked at the baptism of John the Baptist. And he, um, we, we hear him saying, everyone needs to say they're sorry, and they need to show they're sorry. How? By sharing. And he says, well, what kind of sharing? He, he gives an example of the sharing. He says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Now think about that for a minute. That's the economic situation of the persons whom, to whom Jesus is speaking. Hey, if you know, you got two shirts, you got two tunics, that's amazing. You should share with the one who's got none. Because the whole idea of clothing is for protection. So why do we wear clothes? Yes, for presentation. But in the ancient world, it's primarily for protection. So again, we're seeing that in the ancient world, people didn't have much at all. Their few clothes weren't for presentation. They were for protection. But protection from what? Right? Protection from what? Those of you who are kids, when it's winter out and it's snowing, what do you wear? You wear a coat. And why do you wear a coat? You wear a coat to protect you from the cold. Right? Or those of you kids, maybe you've seen movies about like, people in space, like astronauts. And the astronauts, when they're out like, walking in space, what, what are they wearing? The special spacesuit, right? And why, why are they wearing that special spacesuit? It's to protect them from space. There's no air to breathe. It's super cold out. They're wearing clothes for protection. But kids, listen to this. Whenever we go anywhere, we wear clothes. And why do we wear clothes instead of being naked? Why do we do that? We wear clothes, listen to this. We wear clothes to protect us, not only from what can harm us, but actually from what could humiliate us. See, there's a sense in which clothes, they reveal this, that all of us feel this need to cover up, to hide. What are we hiding from? Who? Whom are we hiding from? See, in Genesis, in the very beginning, the very first book of the Bible, Adam and Eve, we read in Genesis 2, listen to this, they were naked and they felt no shame. There's no need to hide. No fear of harm. No fear of humiliation. 
They were naked. And they felt no shame. And then in Genesis 3, after they had tragically disobeyed, after they were so convinced that they knew better than God, we read that, quote, they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. They knew they needed to hide. And of course, after God confronts them, we read that he made garments of skin for them and clothed them. Garments of skin that would protect and do something else we'll talk about later, but garments that surely would protect them because he realized that he was banishing them into a world that was actually very dangerous, a world where there was harm, a world where there would be humiliation. So we wear clothes. Why? Well, for presentation and protection. But we also, the final reason we wear clothes is for our, to, to, listen to this, for our position, to give a sense of our position. Kids, again, how do you know if a person is a police officer? How, do you, how can you see them? How do you know? Oh, that's a police officer. You know because what? They have a certain kind of clothes on. See, in the ancient world, that was the other reason that you wore certain types of clothes. And in ancient Israel, if you were a priest, for example, you wore a certain kind of clothes, a tunic, and you had, a, you had head dressing on, you had all these garments on to indicate that you were fulfilling a position. And in our text this morning, it is these latter two ideas, these two ideas of protection, but also position, that are really important. Let me reread that text as Pam read it for us. Um, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul writes this, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul has two, ex- two commands for us. The first one is positive, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second is negative, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And we can summarize summarize those two commands as follows. First is put on the one who's forever in power. Put on the one who's forever in power. He says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is saying, look, listen, there's this person that if you know him, if you surrender your life to him, you can put him on. And you can put him on as the one who is what? The very important word there is Lord. The one who is master. And that is Paul's central way to referring to Jesus, that he is Lord. Not only Paul's personal Lord, but the one who is Lord over all that can endanger us, all that can harm us, all the forces of darkness, evil, sin, death, disease, the evil one himself that he, in fact, has mastered, is Lord over all of them. And that if we put him on, if we identify ourselves with him, that he indeed will protect us in every way. Clothed with Christ, we need not fear anything. Isn't that amazing? And so he says, listen, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the one who's forever in power. Unite yourself with him. Be one with him. Recognize how he has been, how he has mastered the powers of darkness. Recognize that in, in the midst of our, our fear of man, 
that the opinions of men don't matter, that Jesus and Jesus' opinion alone is what matters. Recognize in the face of death that we, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Recognize in the face of confusion, in the face of foolishness, and all the cacophony of voices that we hear in our culture, that there is one who is greater than Solomon, one who is wisdom, one whose word we can take immediately. We can take him at his word. We clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of all our shame, in the midst of all of our, our embarrassment, in the midst of all of our guilt, we, we look to the one who was in every way unashamed of us, who invites us into a life where we can confess our sins freely and live sincerely and truly, because he is the one who was crucified and took on our shame on our behalf. We can put on the one who's forever in power that we do not be afraid of anything, that we can experience a freedom like no other. But not only does he say, put on the one who's forever in power, he says this, don't ponder fleeting appearances. Don't ponder fleeting appearances. Look at the text again there. It says, do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. What does that word flesh mean? That's Paul's way of referring to, to the world of appearance. That how things, you know, when we say, oh, look, it's, it's Joe in the flesh. We're saying, oh, it's actually, he's actually here. He's actually, we can, he has appeared to us. This is how we see him. The, the flesh is this idea of, of, of thinking of the world as it appears. Let me give you a perfect example. Social media. How many of you you know somebody, you, you've known them for a long time, you knew them since third grade, and then you go to their Facebook page, and you scroll through their Facebook, and the presentation of themselves is so much better. All the right selfies, I mean, how many people do you see selfies, and they take like eight photo shots, you know, eight, eight shots before they get to exactly the right selfie, to give exactly the right look, to present themselves in the best possible way. Facebook, generally speaking, there are exceptions, it's all about appearance. It's all about presenting an image of who we are. And that's how the world is. It's always living. You can live your life according to appearance if you want to. You can sit there and think about how am I going to improve my appearance? I can sit there and take others' appearances at face value. So many people I know say they look at Facebook, they look at social media, and afterward they are more depressed because everyone else seems to be getting, doing life better. Because that's all you do on Facebook. You simply present, you put your best foot forward and you live life. You show your life according to a certain appearance. It's flesh. And when we see that appearance, when we, see, when we actually believe that life is in fact, that, that, that perception is in fact reality, it leads to a certain type of desire, a certain type of living. Oh, I want to look like she does on Snapchat. Oh, I want this kind, of, this kind of car. I want this kind of house. I want this kind of whatever. And the desires simply are aroused in our heart because of we believe the appearances. A friend of mine was uh, uh, struggling uh, greatly in his marriage. In fact, he was in a very difficult marriage. And he happened to be on a business trip overseas. He was in, he was in Paris, actually. So he was in Paris for business, and he went to, um, I don't know if it was the Louvre, but he went to one of, the, one of the major museums there. And as he was going through, this couple passed him. And they were clutched together, close, in love, in Paris. 
And he thought, oh, if only I could have that. That's just appearance. He has no idea. He has no idea what's really going on in that relationship. Who knows how long it's been together? Who knows where it's going to go? But you de- we so often, we live our lives according to appearances. And Paul is saying, do not ponder. Don't sit and think about it. Don't dwell on Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't sit there and just live your life according to the appearances of others and want what they, what, what they present that they have. He's saying it's all a lie. It's all fake. It's all fleeting. So when we put on our clothes in the morning, we stop and realize, you know what? All of us are hiding something. All of us are guilty. We're all ashamed. And with what will I clothe myself? I live in a world that's dangerous. There's disease. There's death. There's an evil one. Where at a moment's notice, I can be canceled. <laughs> what a world we live in, isn't it? How am I going to defend myself? How can I, with whom or with what, can I clothe myself with, or to, to truly defend myself? And Paul is saying, put on the one who's forever in power. And whatever you do, don't sit and ponder mere fleeting appearance. Don't believe the lies around you. And that's why, you know what, that's why fellowship is so important. That's why, you know, staying in touch, being in a small group, that's why real Christian fellowship is so important. When you're in a small group and you see people week in and week out, all the appearances are gone. You realize this person is struggling just as much as I am. This person is just as confused as I am. This person is just as lonely as I am. And all appearances are cast aside, and we can be ourselves. That's the beauty of Christian fellowship. So, so the Apostle Paul is saying, every, each and every day, when we go to put our clothes on. We stop and say, you know what? Today, I'm going to put on the, 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 the one who's, who's forever in power. And I'm going to refuse to ponder mere appearance. To actually give thought to and entertain the world. To believe that the perceptions that others give me, the perceptions that I see in social media, the perceptions that I see in the news media, that those are in fact true. And I refuse to give way to those desires. So we put on the Lord Jesus Christ first for protection. Knowing that he really can protect us from all that is evil, from all the darkness. But we also, listen, and this is so important, we put on the Lord Jesus Christ to indicate our position. We are his servants. He is the Lord. And we put on Jesus in the sense that we put on his character, his tenderness, his gentleness, his humility. His wisdom. We put on his faithfulness, his commitment. We put those things on so that people can identify us. I mentioned earlier Mark. I identify Mark by his meekness. So unassuming. Some man can a man that quiet, has quiet strength. That is who Jesus was. Jesus was meek. So meek, so unassuming. He rides into Jerusalem 
on a donkey, meek and humble, not needing to be a big deal, quietly serving, quiet strength. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ, not only for protection, but to indicate our position. And we refuse, we refuse to ponder appearances, to give way to their desires. That is what Paul's calling us to do. And that's what every day we put on our clothes, we, we recognize, hey, I am putting on today, in truth, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me conclude with this. On the, on the same day, this is from an article, I think, in Time Magazine a number of years ago, but I think it illustrates, uh, by way of contrast, what Paul was trying to say. On the same summer day that six-year-old Katie beat her own personal best jumping rope, she got a hundred in a row. The doctors discovered that the pain in her side was coming from a tumor, a tumor in her kidney. Her mother recalls, in that split second, your whole life changes. You go, you, you're going along safety-proofing your house and trying to feed your kids the right food, thinking you have control over their safety, but you don't. And there was even less control over the course of the next two years as the cancer spread through seven rounds of chemo and three operations. It was during that time that Katie's mom began to read aloud the first of three books about a schoolboy wizard by the name of Harry Potter, who knew something about fighting fierce, deadly enemies. And maybe, maybe that's why when they took the train from their home in upstate New York to New York City for treatment, Katie wore a red cape, a red lightning-shaped scar on her forehead, and a wand and big black glasses. She looked like she was ready for anything. What a heartbreaking story. Here's a little girl trying to clothe herself in a character who can defend her, who can protect her. It's beautiful. But you and I know that Harry Potter never existed. That he's not real, that his whole world of magic and whatever is all as entertaining as it might be, it is, at the end of the day, at best, a cute story. There is one who has lived. There is no historian worth his salt who denies that Jesus of Nazareth, the peasant Jew, existed in the first century Palestine, and that he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. And it is his apostles who in the face of everything at great cost of themselves, who themselves did not believe it at first, came to testify at the, that the testimony of women who in the ancient world, their testimony didn't count for anything. They came to testify that he, in fact, had been raised from the dead, that he was Lord over death, over sin, over evil, and the evil one. And Paul is calling us in the face of overwhelming darkness, not just disease, not just cancer, but the evils of our own heart, the evils of our, our, our own world, to say, stop, to stop, and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be protected, that we might have a position, a role within the world, to know that we might be empowered to know how to act, as parents, as spouses, as siblings, as co-workers, as classmates, that when we enter into those contexts, we come clothed, clothed, fear, fear, uh, free of fear, because we have protection and full of purpose. Knowing our position, we are clothed 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me close with the very words of the Apostle Paul. I want them ringing in our ears. The Apostle says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how quickly we are convinced that we can find protection in money, protection in in status, protection in our work, Father, protection, Father, in knowing the right people. Lord, but at the end of the day, all of these are so fleeting. All of these are are so, uh, Father, so difficult to hold on to. Father, I pray that you would free us from the pursuits of what cannot protect, of who cannot protect, and that we would flee to the one who is the resurrection and the life, the one who is the living water, the one who is indeed the, the, um, the, the one who brings us, who gives us passage into the age to come. Father, please, he alone is the great I am. He alone is the lamb that was slain. He is the lion of Judah. He is the one, he is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the one who frees us from all fear, who invites us into peace, into hope, into purpose, into wisdom. Oh Lord God, what what a beautiful thing, what a, a wondrous thing that we can have merely a faith, a faith that unites us to one who can free us from all fear. Father, um, this morning, we think of those who do not know you, who do not, who are clothing themselves with all manner of things, and we ask that you would equip us, give us that, that position, clothe us with Christ, that we might love them well, that we might listen to them, that we might hear them, that we might offer a wisdom, a word of hope. Oh, Lord, please, we pray that you would be present in Good Shepherd, that you would clothe us all with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would give us an armor, Father, that we as a church would arise, that we would put our armor on, and that we would seek seek to defy the darkness and to fight valiantly, Father, with the weapons of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us.